I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. What is leadership like in today's football world? We're back with another edition of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. I'm Philadelphia Daily News columnist David Murphy, joined by Michael Sielski of the Philadelphia Inquirer. You are fresh off the train. Did you take the train up to New York? I did. Took it up and back. Uh, Mike Sielski, if you read the Philadelphia Inquirer on Wednesday, he uh, he was at the, the Grand Ballroom. Grand Ballroom of the Midtown Hilton Hotel. What was it called? Was it called like the uh, Broadway Room or like the... Uh, I don't think like it had time, a name. Times Square One. No. <laughs> Hotel Conference Room. Yeah, they all are. Um, you know, uh, what is it? East Village Four. <laughs> How big is this ballroom? Is it like a wedding size venue? Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty big. The whole, I mean, the whole like, floor. Paint is... a picture for me. I want to. So, uh, <laughs> in a normal setting, you would you would uh, be looking for the bathroom on the ground floor of the hotel, mm-hmm. and you would wander uh, into a long row of escalators, escalators, mirrored hallways, um, double doors. Mm-hmm. And you open them, and it's just a giant carpet. Pretty much, yeah. So now, how do they transform that into what we see on television? What does it look like when you walk in? They have when you walk into the ballroom. um, I I don't know if they put seats in there, but it's almost like an amphitheater. Okay. Um, And they have the stage up there where uh, you have an ESPN personality, and which ESPN personality? You know, I don't remember. Uh, her name. I know Bruce Bowen was the other one with her. Okay. And then off to the side at like a little table, you have Mark Jones and Jay Billis who are going to be, you know, analyzing with their expertise on college basketball, each of these players right in front of their faces. So you have like Jay Billis giving his top five picks and all the kids who were there at the draft who aren't in the top five are going, well, Jay Billis doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. And then he gives his next five picks and, you know, then those kids are like, ah, I, I should be higher than six, that sort of thing. And then, uh, the the deputy commissioner comes in and starts reading. They have the um, the fourteen representatives from the fourteen teams kind of on a makeshift dais up on the stage, and then the deputy commissioner comes in and stands behind a podium and starts opening the envelopes. And then at what point uh, does the help begin breaking things down for the Jones uh, <laughs> Skyler wedding? <laughs> Probably about a half hour to forty five minutes afterwards. Or the the, uh, the Goldstein bar mitzvah. Yeah. Or, Whatever. Um, yeah, they give everybody some time to, uh, you know, the media there to talk to Magic Johnson and the Celtics representatives and Alvin Gentry from the New Orleans Hornets and, uh, of course, Joel Embiid, who, you know, literally, what, like, he made the room seem small, not just because he's the biggest guy in it, but because, you know, you could see his personality oh, yeah. kind of come forward. You know, he's he's going back and forth with Magic, and he's giving the death stare to the ESPN host that everybody was getting fired up about on social media and all that stuff. So um, as events go, it's not the worst thing in the world to cover. You actually get some access, and it's only a train ride away, so it ain't bad. I happened to spend the lottery evening at Xfinity Live. Did you really? You yes, went to that? I did. I did. It was... Uh, the Sam Hankey uh, Memorial... Uh, it was like a fever dream, man. It was awesome. <laughs> the Sam Hankey Memorial uh, Drink Fest or yes, whatever it was? I, was at the, I, I don't know actually what the title of the event was, but Spike Eskin, yeah. um, who hosts the uber-popular Rights to Ricky Sanchez mm-hmm. podcast, son of process denier, denier. <laughs> Howard <laughs> Eskin. How, Howard was at... Uh, on Howard Wednesday. Eskin's got a very, very unique 
collection of causes. Like yeah. right now, like it's the soda tax. He's anti-soda tax, uh, anti-process. Pro-state pro store privatization. Yes. And um, pro-Doug Peterson. And anti-Sam Hinkie. And anti-Sam And anti-Mike Sielski. Oh, and very anti-Mike Sielski. Doug Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. Although when we get together, he kind I kind of like, it doesn't bother me at all. And I, I kind of- He's make a caricature. It, yeah. And I kind of make it clear when I'm with him that it doesn't bother me at right. all. And I think, I, I don't know if he knows how to take that. Yeah. You know? Like I think he, I feel like he's like girding up for a fight, and I'm like, "Hey, Howard, how's it going?" Yeah, and he doesn't know where to go with that. <laughs> yeah. So it was um, so friend of the podcast and friend of Mike Sealski, uh, Mike Weber. Yeah. Uh, I think friend of Dave Murphy, the real Mike Weber on on podcast. I think. Or I think this so, is yeah. Mike Weber. One of, uh, Michael H. We'll we'll figure it out. Anyway, screenwriter Mike, Mike Weber, screenwriter, um, and diehard Sixers fan. Uh, randomly hit me up. With an extra ticket to this thing. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got to go to this. Yeah. And I was not prepared for... 500 days of Sam Henke. There you go. Days Boom. Of Sam- it was like... <laughs> it, it was just a scene that you had to I, see to believe. All right. Now, here's my question. I mean, it was. I've never seen Xfinity. I try to stay away from Xfinity Live. I do too. But, I mean, this was as packed as I, I've ever seen the place on TV or anything. All right. My question in two parts. Number one, I heard that there was a proposal... Yes. That took place. We got at there this just event? after that. Okay, so that leads to my second question, which was: Was there another female in no, Xfinity well, Live other than the one who got like, proposed to? There were like four, and I felt so bad for them. It was like <laughs> if it was like a female walking through the Fox News newsroom. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, by the way. Yeah, uh, Roger Ailes. Uh, <laughs> it was like I specific, distinctly remember because it was the first two girls I had seen all night. <laughs> And they're walking through, and I just just like, oh man, like this is what it. Feels so this like. is what it was like for Megyn Kelly. This is what <laughs> this is what the uh, the mouse feels like in the snakes in like the snakes cage when yeah. it gets dropped in. Um, <laughs> it was I I can't even I can't even begin to describe the scene. It was very white, <laughs> very. Uh, it was like the demogra- It was one demographic in that entire. Period. It was like the the twenty to thirty something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reads a lot of Bill Simmons. Reads a lot of Bill Simmons. Yes, exactly. Re- re- bought, bought. I think seventy-five percent own Bill Simmons basketball book, <laughs> and it was great. It was great. It was. Uh, we got there right before they raised the Sam Hinkie banner and oh retired. Retired his. That's awesome. That is, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Um, the thing is, it's like it's it's almost. It, it's just like. Uh, Everyone knows their caricatures. Yeah. And it's fun. You just yeah. kind of revel in the absurdity right. of it all. That's it. That's right. But and that's on both of, sides yeah. of it, too. Because the, the next morning, I mean, here you have Spike Eskin, who's the program director at WIP. Right. And the next morning, after this event, Angela Catali is just calling these people, you know, members of a cult right. and killing them. Which is hard. To, which would be hard to deny. Uh, yeah. I think I walked in as they were chanting. Like, like there was a... Very like a uh, Protestant Colin response <laughs> segment where Spike Eskin kind of like read a he read like the he, transactions like, read, like, tri- that, yeah yeah he read like a tribute to Sam Hinkie which after, was all the transactions and trades he had and made, after right he, yeah and then after each one he stopped and the entire uh, Xfinity Live all thirty five hundred people chanted in unison trust the process mm-hmm. so it was like uh. Uh, God is good all the time. It was kind of <laughs> like that, you know? Like, you're Catholic. You don't yeah. really do that kind of no. stuff, I think. But, you know, uh, 
like for those who, of us who grew up mm-hmm. in the post schism well you are literally church. you are literally the son of a preacher man is that am. right i am a methodist preacher there you go so we do a lot of call and response mm-hmm. and um you know spike eskin was like up on the balcony <laughs> at it was i mean it was a cult yeah are you ready for a miracle exactly. ready as exactly. i can be exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, it was great. It was an excuse to drink on a Tuesday, like like you need one. And uh, as you said, the whole the whole thing kind of follows the lead of Embiid, or at least he embodies yeah the whole phenomenon that is the process. What, what's amazing to More me, than, like, because it's very raw, it's just like rye, dry, like, yes, doesn't take like it's almost like you know we're. It's absurdist it's, at every yeah, it's level. Absurd, exactly. It's you know, completely absurdist. Yeah. And and what, what what's amazing to me about him, and this is what I wrote about off of the lottery, was that he carries himself and, and amongst the, the processors, there's this kind of accepted uh truth, I guess, and, and and Bede buys into it. He carries himself like he is already an established right. superstar. You know, he's he's joking with magic and he's you know, being funny on TV, and he says afterwards, you know, hey, when the Cavaliers and LeBron start to get old, that's when we're going to come up and we're going to be great and take advantage of that, and the timing's right. And it's like, you've played 31 games in three years. <laughs> you, you, di- you, you didn't finish the season last year. Like, it, it's, there's a disconnect there that may, it may no longer be a disconnect if he can stay healthy and be the player everybody thinks he's going to be, but it's just – it's so jarring now to see that. It's just it's it's a really odd, fascinating dynamic to me. But it's cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, he yeah the the interplay between him and Magic was was yeah. <laughs> it's like in you know he's so he's like the person everybody gravitates yeah. towards in the room. Yeah. You know he really is. He really is. I I I mean we've talked about it before. If they if he gets great, he stays healthy. Well, he, he is he, great. I mean. If he, stays, if he healthy, stays healthy, he could own the city. He really could. That whole team could could own the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was and, and then he? I, I like the fact that he actually answers questions too. Yes. So like somebody, for instance, asked him, he, he, "Who do you like?" Yeah, and, and he, he said told, Josh Jackson. Josh, well, obviously, let's Josh Jackson's a Kansas guy, so. right? But he also mentioned um, Jason Tatum from yes. Duke. Yes, you know, and and he was very upfront. He's like, "Well, you know, Fultz is probably going to be gone, and Lonzo Ball is probably going to be gone. So we'll have the number three pick. We'll take one of these two guys, and we'll be happy." Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, oh, okay, Mr. General Manager, no problem. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. What? So what? What was the? What was the Brian? I didn't read a lot of Brian Colangelo afterwards. What was his? Well, he spoke. I didn't get to speak to him immediately afterwards Tuesday night, but he gave another. Um, uh, he had another availability Wednesday, and. He he seems to be leaning toward now that they know they have one pick and it's the number three pick as opposed to having one and four or five and seven or whatever else they could have had. Um, I think he's going to be more predisposed. And if you read between the lines of what he said, he's going to be more predisposed to try to speed this up by making some kind of trade Um, that because you don't have a second pick within the top seven and don't necessarily have the flexibility to take a guy who may take longer to develop that. You know, now you're at the point where maybe you trade down, um, you know, and package, uh, you know, put some kind of package together where you get a veteran player or two. Whether that's what he's actually going to do, I don't know. Whether that's the right course of action, um, I think they kind of have to do something. We talked about this last week with Bob Ford that you can't have all the guys on your team be exactly the same age and coming into the league at exactly the same time because it'll create salary cap problems exactly. down the road. Yeah, and I, I, 
just before we went on air, my boss, Rich Hoffman, sports editor of Philadelphia Media Network, I mm-hmm. guess it is, yep. um, asked me what I was writing today, and I told him LeGarrette Blount. But that was another column idea that I yeah. had. Because I think that, and maybe I will end up writing about it since we're going to end up talking about it, and that kind of helps me Always get helps. the juices flow. Yeah. But if you look at it, there's been a lot of talk about Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. and, and free agency. But if you really look at the way the NBA works, you know, take take the super teams out, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, whatever. People really don't leave their teams um, via free agency. No. Because the NBA makes it so – the NBA incentivizes guys right. coming on onto their first big contract to stay with their their current teams. Yes. Um, now, again, ex- there's exceptions, but it's like exceptions that will never end up in Philadelphia. <laughs> Right. Um, like Kevin Durant ain't signing here no. this offseason. No. But um, if you look, a lot of these players who end up – like James Harden, you know, Isaiah Thomas, though it's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these guys – more guys move through trades to yeah. teams like the Sixers. Yeah. And at this point in time, you might be better off looking at uh, a move like that. Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting Now, the James Harden deal doesn't come all the time, but... No, but what's interesting about that is there does seem to be the possibility um, in the NBA of having a guy who kind of flourishes after a trade in a way that... Kyle Lowry. Yeah, a Kyle Lowry. Like, I think back even even to the Iverson years, like, the decisive move there in, get it, in kind of building the team that went to the finals was the Jerry Stackhouse for Aaron McKee and Theo Ratliff trade. Mm-hmm. Um in that situation, you know, both Ratliff and McKee at the time were kind of role players, younger guys who then blossomed while they were with the Sixers. Before Ratliff got hurt, he was a legitimate, you know, starting center, an excellent defensive player. You know, McKee became the sixth man of the year, became a much better outside shooter. You know, that kind of stuff happens in the NBA. You, you saw it with Harden and the Rockets. Everybody knew he was a, a really good player with new um with Oklahoma City and then he goes to Houston and becomes an absolute superstar. Um so that might be, you know, th- that might be something they have to think about. Um who that guy could be, is it going to be Paul George? Um is it somebody else we're not thinking of right now? Uh that I don't know. But I think I I think it's more I think, likely I will that... say this. I will say this. I do think Colangelo history might be instructive here. Um you know, not not that Brian and his dad are the same person, but Jerry Colangelo built the Phoenix Suns back into a winning team by making major trades. Like right. he did it quickly. Um, the Charles Barkley deal, you know, getting Kevin Johnson in a major move, trading away Larry Nance, those sorts of things. Um, and so I think if for no other reason than maybe a genetic standpoint, Brian Colangelo might be predisposed to go that route. Well, I think there's also... Um I think I think you're also looking at just the reality of their situation right. where like this was the whole point and, and it's going to be the interesting thing we'll never know about what would it Sam Hankey have right. done because his whole when when he referred to these guys as assets like I feel like at this stage of the game Hankey would have been trying to th- now assemble an actual team right. by parlaying those mm-hmm. do, do you know what I'm saying yeah. like um and I it's why I've said like I think to enter the offseason with any preconceived notions about the composition of your roster is a mistake. Because mm-hmm. your goal should be to get, to, with the assets at your disposal, create the best, most 
sustainable starting five right. moving forward. So like when people say, um, you know, we don't need player X in the draft, like that's the wrong way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you should be looking then the trade. If you're if the best p- player available on your board is a guy who doesn't fit your current situation, maybe change the situation. Change the situation. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, it gets back to what we, we've talked in the past, you know, like Ben Simmons for Christoph Porzingis, mm-hmm. like just not that that's a realistic situation, but that's the kind of thing you need to be looking at. Like, right. how do I assemble, how do I turn this Rubik's cube so that mm-hmm. all the colors are on the right side? Right. You know? Right. That, I, I, I agree with you. And um, it doesn't mean you make a move for the sake of making a move or that you say, oh, okay, well, we got to trade this guy or that guy. It just means you keep your options open with, you know, probably with the exception of Embiid. Um, but like, so, so, and I wrote this last week, the Wizards are actually a great example of what the future that's going to await the Sixers because yeah. John Wall, Bradley Beal are both already max contract guys. And uh, now Otto Porter is going to be a max contract guy this right. year. Mm-hmm. So could be a max contract guy this year. So the question is, if you're the Wizards, you know, do you give Otto Porter a max contract to retain him? Mm-hmm. Which then essentially prevents you from doing anything else you know for the next five years that's your team uh that team already lost to the celtics is there a way for that team to get better now do you know what i'm saying like that's yeah. the whole thing about hinky is like you have you have like one chance to to you know assemble your resources and move forward mm-hmm. and once you do that like that's your team right you know like and, these and are the same teams in the nba playoffs now every year it's just, they're constructed the same yeah. way and and the other caveat in that the other factor that you have to take into consideration is chance suppose something happens to the celtics you know they lose isaiah thomas for a season because he tears a Mm -hmm. knee ligament suppose lebron james proves he's something more than a basketball playing cyborg and actually gets hurt and is out for a playoff run is your team you know if you're take the wizards for instance do you re-sign otto porter and go with that group with him and wall and beal and take the chance that okay that is going to be good enough or we're going to encounter a situation where Cleveland and Boston aren't quite as good as everybody thought they were going to be, and now we have an opportunity. Right. You know, or, or do you say, you know what, we can't pay Otto, you know, via Condios, and we're going to maintain flexibility. Right. And so that's like where, so the trickle down is going to be interesting, to because there's a trickle down. Like, let's say um, Washington is like, you know, we like Otto Porter, but there's a ceiling to this current mm-hmm. group. Yeah. We would be silly to, you know, put our eggs in his basket. Like what if, you know, they say, well, maybe Danilo Gallinari, I can't even pronounce it. Danilo Gallinari. Danilo. I can't do the Ilio. Ilio. Danilo. Danilo. Danilo Gallinari. What if, what if he makes us a better team? Right. Then do we trade Otto Porter? Like, like, so this is the, these are the things the Sixers should be considering. Right. You know, um, Maybe not the number three overall pick, but maybe the number three overall pick. You know, like yeah. like these are just four instances. But what if about, there's a team, what that's about like, the Lakers pick next year? What about right, the Sacramento like, pick? Yeah, in like 2019? for instance, like what if what if what if the Wizards say, well, we can convince a guy like Gallinari, to co- Gal- <laughs> whatever Gallinari, Gallinari to come here, and to facilitate that contract, we would have to move Otto Porter. But like, what if you know, with the X pick in the draft, we can then draft a cost-effective guy. To mm-hmm. li- and then all of a sudden, but then there's like trickle-down, right. you know? So I feel like that's where um, 
Like that's that's the Sixers need to be investigating all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I think that's where the easy thing to do from an NBA general manager standpoint is to give out a court of the max contract, keep him here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to be a playoff team. You know, people already like him. Right. Um, you know, and maybe that's the best way to do it. But if you're looking at it com- from a complete, you know, utilitarian perspective, is that team going to win a title? Right. And the risk taker, if it, you know, you, it takes a risk to get rid of Otto Porter, bring in somebody new, um, to chase the bird, right? To chase the champion in the bush, yeah. you know. Right. So what do you do? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think Hinky, Hinky was all about chasing that championship, mm-hmm. and so, as you said, he'd be willing to consider a consider those possibilities and b act on them if he thought if he was secure enough in thinking that, you know, as he did, you know, in a different stage of the of the process where he said, you know what, the chances are good that we're going to get a better player than Michael Carter Williams. Mm-hmm with that draft pick um, or even by chance. So let's make this move. Um, like the Raptors are in a similar situation now with Kyle Lowry. Like exactly. it was, the easy thing for them to do is to give Kyle Lowry five years, 200, whatever million yeah. dollars. But there's a very strong, and I love Kyle Lowry as a player, but there's a very strong argument that says, and in fact, I think DeMar DeRozan is the bigger, you know, yeah. he's the guy I would rather move. Right. Cause I just don't like his game at all. <laughs> but, you know, the, the easy thing for them to do is to keep the status. The easy thing in life is always to keep the status, status quo, quo, you know, um, because you're not going to no one's going to get outraged uh, about Kyle about no Raptors fans are going to boycott the team for right. giving Kyle Lowry, keeping Kyle Lowry. Well, here. I mean, but at the same time, that team clearly has a ceiling that it has reached. Right. Look, this is part of the uh, tension that's been created over the last several years with what Hinky did. I mean, think about it. How much outrage was there over the Sixers over the previous dozen years? Mm-hmm. There was little to no outrage because for a while you had Allen Iverson and say, just as you said, you know, nobody's going to get outraged if you don't trade Allen Iverson. Right. And then they did, and they were basically in exactly the same place that they had been at the end of Allen Iverson's career with the Sixers. And so what is there to get outraged about now? You're a reasonably competitive team most nights. You get into the playoffs every other year, and you just kind of, you know, walk along. You're not, you're not sprinting, and you're not slowing down to a standstill so that you can conserve energy for, you know, a race later on. You're just kind of trotting along. And what's there to get outraged about? And then Hinky comes along, and no matter what you think of what he did or why he did it, he upends the whole thing. He says, we're not going to do it this way anymore. We're going to try to, to, you know, to slow down, to race forward. And, you know, that's, that's what you get. But I think my, the overall point is you, got, you have one shot yeah. before your team comes together. Like, and it's, so if you're signing Kyle Lowry, like, that's your move right. for the next five years. Yeah. Like you, that's your guy. Yep. You're saying this guy, you know, even if he would sign here, which I think there's like 1% shot he would. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, it's almost self-evident that somebody's going to value Kyle Lowry more than the Sixers yes. should value him. So. Yeah almost like self-evidentially for him to come here would require a mistake of a contract on the Sixers part. Mm-hmm. But like for him to come here, he would have to value playing in Philadelphia over winning and dollars essentially. Right. That's and right. Like that's unless he thought somehow that they could speed things up that quickly with Embiid and Simmons and him being a, you know, Lowry being a veteran leader that 
by the second or third year he's here, even though he's making a ton of money, he's no longer, you know, a primary force on, you know, from a basketball standpoint. He might be a leader, he might be a veteran right. presence, but he's not, you know, averaging 20 with 10 assists a game. Yeah, so it, that's going to be the – and this is kind of the offseason where it has to, has to yeah. come together. Oh, it has you know? to, yeah. Um, you got to make some decisions. And it's the unfortunate thing about – like, it's, it's the big downside to having the situation the Sixers were in and essentially giving away three years of Noel – uh, Embiid and Simmons, because your decision making process on each one of those guys got pushed back. Here, right, you know, two years in case yeah. of Embiid. So like Noel, part of the reason why you know he couldn't, he wasn't dealt before he was dealt was because he had a whole one fewer year for you to understand what you actually have. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the Simmons thing now, like you you were still operating on faith that Ben yeah. Simmons is. That's that's the worst thing that's happened to them. Is is the Simmons is Simmons breaking his foot? That was the one where you were like, "Holy God!" Mm. Like how you know, whatever you think of their de- decision making, good or bad, like that piece of bad luck for a guy who had not been injured in any regard throughout his life, and all of a sudden he suffers a season-ending injury. It's like, oh man! But it's like you're building your entire team yeah. around around this guy that, that right. you really still don't really know how he, what he's going to look like against NBA caliber. Yeah. You yeah. know, so but but that still counts towards his service time and and towards the like, same thing with Embiid all of a sudden he's two years you're, you're a year away yep. from having to decide whether to give a max contract to him and like what would you actually do yeah. you know you give him the max contract and hope for the best yeah I mean you have you would have to but it's it's you know anyway we have uh what Mike Jensen we have Mike Jensen who can answer some of our questions about some of the unknowns in this NBA draft Mike Jensen currently in the midst of a series on Philly hoops. Philly hoops. Basketball in the state of Phil- in the uh, city of Philadelphia, and we're gonna bring him on here as soon as I figure out how to call him on Skype. All right. So Mike Jensen joining us. Thank you so much, Michael, for making the time. You bet, Mike. Have we uh, moved past the uh, giving Sealski a hard time for uh, getting an honorary award from uh, honorary degree from LaSalle, or no? Or no, no or am I right on time? In fact, I'm glad you brought that up. I almost, I'm not. I almost forgot. Mike, uh, Mike, see, this is a proud moment. Um, on the strength of this, this podcast performance, LaSalle has <laughs> chosen to bestow an honorary degree upon our digital media maven here at Philadelphia Media Network. Um, and he will be speaking at the LaSalle commencement ceremony um, on Sunday. Yes. Um, I'm thinking about tailgating. I don't. Maybe we could start a. Uh, maybe we could have like a. Maybe we could get Spike Eskin to organize. Spike Eskin and Angelo Catali. Yes, like the you, dirty thirty. Yeah, exactly. Jensen, are you? Uh, I mean, are are you going? You sound very I'm not excited available. about this. I, I, I have. I, I have sixteen things I'm thinking about doing. Uh, <laughs> but I have. I have thoughts for the speech. If you want to hear them. Yeah, I would love to hear. Go them. ahead. Um, I mean, just. A week's worth of Sealski tweets in response to, to tweets. I mean, I, I'm assuming that it's actually Twitter Sealski that is getting out. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, uh, Twitter Sealski and, and real Sealski are two totally different people. Yeah, but which guy? It's LaSalle. I want to know from LaSalle. Murphy, which which Sealski is getting the degree? I would hope. I would hope the Twitter one. Twitter slash podcast yeah, Sealski. Yeah. Uh, this is this this no good can come of discussing this. Um, well, it, it, that's up to that's up to Murphy. I mean, it's it's his. Uh, I will you know, say this: his own degree that has 
yeah. value that's going up. Well, right. that's, well I, I guess that's I my will concern. say this. I will say this. I I have read. I've seen um, the remarks that that um, Dr. Lynn Texter, the dean, is making uh, at commencement, and Murph is mentioned as well in those remarks. So he doesn't well, get away scot free. They asked me for. They emailed me and asked me for a quote about you. Oh no! It was great. Oh, um, this is bad. <laughs> no, nah, it was very. Uh, I wrote something. It looks like something you would find on the inside of a book cover. <laughs> like it's very, uh, very complimentary. Oh, pure uh, BS, as you said. Pure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Pure BS. Can so we here's, to read the book? Well, here's a funny thing about my LaSalle degree. Uh, I was class of 2004. Mike Sisk was actually a teacher, a, a professor um, at the time that I was at LaSalle. That's right. So thank him for, in fact, but I never had you as, as a. No, I was there uh, in '02 when you were a sophomore. Yes, wise fool in Latin. Yeah, and uh, you and I, the, the reason Murph and I met was because uh, Bill Raftery and Gary Smith from Sports Illustrated came back to campus right. uh, for a day. They got some kind of award. I wanted to meet you. No, <laughs> no. And, uh, and Murph, uh, as a wide-eyed underclassman, was escorting them around campus, I believe, I was. right? And, uh, and I was there in the communication department to just to— be an acolyte and uh, uh, bow down before Gary Smith and shake Bill Raftery's hand. If you're an SEC alumni, you get like uh, pretty Southern bells escorting you around yeah, campus when, that's you, right. when you come. <laughs> At LaSalle, you get me. Uh, I actually, I would say that Mike, Mike's honor, Mike's Mike's honorary degree would, would keep in mind, but I still have not actually received my degree from, from LaSalle. Uh, I got it. Like, like uh, I graduated, but mm-hmm. I the physical copy is actually oh. still <laughs> somewhere in some vault oh my at LaSalle God. because when I graduated, I had like fifteen hundred dollars worth of parking tickets, <laughs> and <laughs> I had to. Uh, and they don't give you your your, De- your diploma right. if you if you have not settled your outstanding obligations, and so I I actually did not until I needed. And so I interviewed actually at the Inquirer in like August after I graduated. Oh my gosh! And they also won't release your transcripts if. Uh, <laughs> so I, at that point, I had to settle up and and write a check to LaSalle. Um, and I just like never actually. Oh my god! Went and got my physical diploma because I don't know what I would do with it. Um, so somewhere, somewhere at not, LaSalle. It's there. Not to suggest you're a little shady, but I don't remember having to provide my transcript. To well, the, to the inquiry. So, was that a Murphy only request? No, and and again, this kind of like speaks volumes about our organization. But no, you don't. It turns out I just assumed that <laughs> I assumed that a a uh, now keep in mind this was at the, man. They this was yeah. this was still at the height of newspapers. Yeah. I mean, this was like the the Philadelphia Inquirer. Like they just won a Pulitzer, and I assumed that. Uh, one of the 400 fact checkers at the place would <laughs> take it upon themselves to call us out and verify everything that I had put on my resume, which in the end makes me feel like I completely wasted $80,000 because <laughs> to this point, I have yet to have an employer actually check to see if I graduated. Right. You could have just said you did. I could have just said I did. Yeah. Um, and uh certainly no, the fifteen hundred you wasted, there's no question. Well yeah. So, so essentially I, I wasted a lot of money um to end up in the spot that I probably would have ended up in. In any way. Anyway, I would say this. Before we move on to actual sports, if you had told me on that that bright spring day in two thousand two that fourteen years from now I would be sitting in a dark studio 
talking into a computer at a folding table with across across from Mike Sealski. I don't. I. I you might, have said, "Sign me up, baby." I might have. Tr- I might have transferred uh, <laughs> to another department and in another industry. <laughs> and you should have. But Mike had your shots. Temple, right? Temple Zone, Mike Jensen. No, Vanderbilt Zone. What? Vandy. Man, he's not yeah. correct. 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 Yeah, LaSalle has to answer for us, but Vandy has to answer for Jensen and Skip Bayless. So think about that. Well, I just like now I know Jensen this entire time has been very, this has been a condescending error to this this talk, even looking down at us the whole time for being oh, yeah. going Oh, I see. Oh, this is the reverse uh, snobbery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. LaSalle guys love to bring out. That's right, oh, man. We got, you know, I, I, I the only thing worse is if I'd gone to Harvard or something, then you could really crush me. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, then that would be an actual good school. Yeah. So you'd at least have that. Well, wait a minute. Vandy, <laughs> Vandy is the har- the Harvard of the South, right? That's its nickname. They sell that T-shirt uh, at the bookstore, at least they used to, yeah. So does so does Emory and Rice and probably University of South, and Duke actually is, but uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. How did, you, uh, how did you end up at Vanderbilt? I got in. They, 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 they took me. I, I was interested in going south. I was from Peekskill, New York, and the other schools that I applied to in the south were said, no, he's not for us, and Vandy uh, did. I went down there, walked around. Nobody was carrying books. I was stupid enough to think that was unusual, but it was during finals when no one has books, and said, this is the place for me. But I liked it, liked it a lot, and uh, you know, it, was, it was a different world for, for a kid from uh, – an hour north of New York, for sure. But who, uh, who, it, it, it served me just fine. Who rejected you? They had, a, they had a great English department, by the way. And that's I ended up with a with an English major from Vandy after moving through poli sci, thinking I was going to law school, and moving through history and deciding now to read some novels and get out of here. Who uh, who rejected you? Uh, how long is this podcast? I mean, uh, <laughs> Duke did, oh, UVA did, Michigan was a wait list, obviously not not in the South. Uh, Northwestern did. I, I I was one of these kids who, uh, you know, spread the field, and I, I got into a couple, but uh, Vandy was the one who uh, didn't know what they were doing. And, and unbeknownst to me, Vandy, I believe, is still the only school in the country that has a four-year undergraduate full tuition sports writing scholarship. It does. Paid for by the Thoroughbred Horse Racing Association. So I, I, I which nobody I writes did about no writing before I got there was not eligible, but the list of people, not only the esteemed Mr. Bayless, but my personal favorite, Roy Blunt Jr. to Tyler you know, Kepner Lee from Jenkins, the New York Times, Tyler Kepner, Buster only was in school with me. It was a great place to have come from. The school paper was just an average school paper twice a week, um, you know, would have been competing head to head with LaSalle. It was, you know, and, 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 what Temple kids know coming out of Temple News now just blows me away. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was a really good place. To, and, and also, I'm of the age where Herschel Walker was in the same class as me at Georgia. Bear Bryant was still coaching. Dominique Wilkins, Sam Bowie, Charles Barkley, Chuck Person, Bo Jackson. I mean, that's the sports writing I got to, to cover as the you know basketball, football beat writer for the Vanderbilt Hustler. So All that's right. enough Vandy talk. We got through LaSalle. We got through Vandy. All right, so uh, let's take that that Ivy League of the South education of yours, and let's pretend that you're the Sixers general manager, and the draft, the first two picks of the draft play out 
as everyone expects. Fultz goes number one. Ball goes number two. You, general manager Mike Jensen, who are you taking or what move are you making if you think they should trade down or something like that, and why? No move down. You want the best available player, so you got to get that right. Uh, if you're talking about drafting a player, I mean, if you're talking about a, a, a trade for a, you know, a, a, an all-star, that's different. But I, I don't want to move down and take Malik Monk six. So, I mean, the questions in my mind are, yeah, it's Jackson or Tatum. Uh, you're in this weird position where you need a point guard. I'm not falling for the smokescreen of Ben Simmons as a point guard. He's he's a he's a forward. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and and you got to figure out everything else around that, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. But his, his that will be a strength as a point guard. I'm not sure he, he had more weaknesses thrown in the mix. So you want guards who can play defense and shoot, but you also want best available. So Jackson or Tatum, Jackson. The question that I don't have to answer, uh, but Mr. Colangelo does is Jackson with his funky shot. I mean, how many funky shots can you have on a team and six and still actually get to the promised land? But I like Jackson for, you know, the elite athleticism. He's, he's going to play defense. He's got a motor. I, I, I really like all those things. Uh, Tatum, a more polished offensive player. He, he, he gets you buckets. Uh, he's not as good a defensive player. And this team, I, I, I personally value defense as, as 50% of the game. Uh, that's why, you know, I, I watch a lot of games and just watch guys not play defense, whether it's D'Angelo Russell or, you know, Okafor or, you know, colleges, you know, Anthony Leah Temple, Dominic Chica Villanova. I mean, guys just, just, they weren't locking down defenders and it, and it killed teams. So Jackson, you can't go wrong with Jackson defensively offensively is he going to develop is he going to be another justice winslow everybody's all excited justice winslow steal the draft a couple of years ago seven mm-hmm. he shot 35.6 percent this year uh from from the whole field and you know 20 percent or something like that from, from from three point so so far justice winslow has not paid off or you know are you gonna get the great freak or somebody else, somebody like that so, so they've, they've got big big scouting decisions to make on, on those two guys. I mean, I like a lot of these guards. Uh, I like Dennis Smith. Um, I, li- I like Monk. I'm not, that wasn't a shot at Monk. I like him a, a lot. Um, I'm just not sure that he's going to be an elite get-your-own-shot guy. Maybe maybe you don't need one with, with Simmons and Embiid. Um, so that's, that's my long-form answer. Um, if I'm Colangelo, today I'm picking – Jackson draft night. I was thinking Tatum next week. I'll, I'll flip it another way. But I mean, they're 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 the guys scouting every every possession of their careers. It's almost like you you would you might be in a better position if somebody below you falls in love with one of those guys um, and is willing to to move up together. Yeah, I mean, if like look, chances are the Sixers will identify someone who they like above and beyond anybody else at number three. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a better best player right, available right. on their board. And they'll tell us he was their best player, uh, regardless of Lonzo Ball, Mark. Yeah, and we'll find out over the years whether they're right or not. Of course. Right. But um, if, you know, you sit down and you look at the percentages and you say, look, each, you know, we, we there's three or four guys where they all have, you know, they're different players, but they all have the same, you know, 
pick pick one anyone as to whether they end up being successful NBA players. Um, they've all got the same risk essentially um, to become a Justice Winslow. At that point, like you, you might be better off, uh, you know, if somebody below you loves Josh Jackson and mm-hmm. is willing to give you something to move up to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's. Um, yeah, although I, I'm not with you on that the risk is all the same. I mean, that's literally what scouting is. Scouting is deciding that Bradley Beal is worth the third pick, mm-hmm. and five years later you find out they were right. Scouting also is Michael Kidd Gilchrist is the second pick, and five years later finding out you were wrong. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's what the business is. Uh, you know, everyone gives Sam Hinkie credit, and he deserves it for the Michael Carter-Williams trade. He also picked the wrong guy. Um, right as, as the 11th pick um so i i don't think it's just sort of like like we're guessing they should not be no guessing. but what i'm saying is this is exactly what they're paid for if if right but if you're somebody on... i think would be elite i don't think these guys are even but what i'm like, saying let is... me put it this way before the kentucky derby every year there are seven horses and everyone says oh this is the most most even field and then you find out that the santa anita derby winner is better than the bluegrass winner or the florida derby winner is and you find out where it is so you know, I, I'm not of the belief that um, they, they are all even. No, but it, I, it just never turns out that way. No, but my point is, is if you're honest with yourself as a scout, um, you know, there's a factor as the I could be wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Like everyone, like when you say Michael Carter Williams was the wrong pick, yeah, he's the wrong pick, but it happens. And um, all I'm saying is, if if like look clearly, Markel Fultz and Alonzo Ball are number one and number two. But each one of the guys from what I've seen after them, there's like a glaring question about, and you mentioned about Josh Jackson and his shot, you know, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, defense slash uh, kind of a a tweener type guy. I mean, does he just turn into Shane Battier, you know, which wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing. Right. Not what you're looking for from the third pick in the game. Um, And then you have like a guy I like a lot, De'Aaron Fox, where it's like, well, he just can't shoot right now. Um, All I'm saying is like you, you, and Hinky was, I think, a guy who, who, um, it's almost like you need a guy in your organization to objectively say, yeah, it's all about scouting, but at the same time, part of scouting is acknowledging that you don't always there's get a, it right. There's part of like, you know, what I'm saying, like, yeah, picking the best player in the fourth round, you want to do that, but you have chances are you're not going to pick a future NFL player, and you need somebody to tell you what are the odds that this pick is going to get me a future NFL player, regardless of who the best player on my board is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, does that? I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it, but I still think start with the fact that a couple of these guys are going to turn out to be all-stars, and if 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 you can't be the guy who figures that out, then you're not good enough. Uh, yeah, but and, I don't know that anybody's good enough, judging I, by I, past history. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, that, that everyone's sort of playing odds, and uh, I'm not – I'm, I'm not agreeing with that. I think the, the, the good ones get it right a lot more. And uh, they tend to, you know, become the Patriots more than the guys who, who don't see it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so, um, you know, but, but again, I, back, to, back to your premise about, but, you know, if, if, if five of these guys, say, say three of these guys are available, I, I'm not sure you, there would be enough value to trading back anyway. I don't think, you know, I'm not sure what you're going to get. Uh, let me put it this way. If you're trying to trade up, you have nobody on your roster beyond them being Simmons that is going to get you to fault. No, but I'm thinking, uh, unless you're going to give up next year's pick. But I'm thinking about more about the value of the pick overall, um, where 
like trading back might not be it, but like if you can get a better player from another NBA team with the number three pick, then do you know what I'm saying? Like we just I'm t- not against that. Yeah, I'm not like, against that. And I think that's what. But uh, that you still that. have to come down. That still requires you to like sit down and say, all right, what are the odds? You know, the guy that we really like at number three ends up becoming better than the guy that we could get at number right. three by trading that pick. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That analysis is is important. And you're figuring out years and contracts, and, and uh, it, it all factors in. And I'm not against it because I'm not one of these guys who says, you know, oh, they're they're still playing for four years from now. We don't know Embiid's health. I I, I mean, I don't personally think they're that far away. Uh, that you know, I'm I'm not saying they're they're right there and they can get two guys and, and beat the Cavs. I'm not saying that, but the, the, you know, you guys have seen it how how Windows come and go, yeah. Yeah. And, and this window is is opening. And yeah, some of I mean, these guys who they have as starters can be terrific rotation guys. So if they get a couple of guys who have bigger roles, suddenly the guys who are you know maybe being asked too too much. T.J. McConnell proved he's he he belongs in an NBA rotation, which surprised a lot of people, including me. But is, do you want him to be your your thirty five minute point guard? No. But if he's the backup point guard and he can give to a change of pace then terrific you know Covington you know if you're talking about a, a bench of Holmes McConnell Covington mm. you know Sarich is Sarich is probably you know fifth or sixth or seventh best player on a team so whether he's a starter or not Stauskas you know, if he's still around Stas- yeah Stauskas Henderson some version of that I mean you, you're trying to upgrade that position right. so I don't know yeah um you know and whether the uh, Timothy, you know, it turns Timo out to Day, be that guy, yes. or Stauskas turns out to be that guy, or you keep keep with a Henderson, or, or or a new version of Henderson. Are, um, are, yeah. are you convinced that Fultz and Ball are the two best players in the draft? Yes and no. Uh, Fultz, yes, take him. Whoever's number one takes him. I mean, he's got elite offensive skills, deep range, uh, and the, the quickness to get his shot. So. Uh, yeah, Fultz, no-brainer. Uh, I, I am not I like his game. I don't love his game. Uh, I worry about some of these point guards in college who make everyone better. Well, at the next level is different, and you don't necessarily make everyone better. Um, I mean, he's got speed, but not, I mean, blazing speed. He sees the game right. I mean, obviously he's not right for the Sixers because they already have they have enough guys who pass the ball. Uh, so they don't, they don't need Lonzo because he's, you know, he's – He's not uh, – that's what he's elite at, and that's not necessarily the, the part that they're looking for. Um, so so it, it, to me, I actually 0% factor in his data. I, I could be dead wrong about that, but I just look at, you know, is, is he going to be special? And I'm not – Fox is interesting. I talked to a coach who knew enough about Kentucky to, to know what was going on, and, and he certainly wasn't not a Kentucky staff guy, but he said – Fox has is sort of the guy who shows up just before practice, and Monk was the gym rat. Mm. Kind of interesting, mm. uh, and and those things can change, and sometimes you can overvalue the gym rat because I mean, you and I can be a gym rat, and that's that's real nice. Uh, and, but you know, it's it, but it, it's a little bit of a flag on Fox, yeah. where especially okay, when he he's got to prove his shot. Exactly. Yeah, is he going to do that? And, it's, and maybe the next level, he's still a kid. I mean, so that's why you can even overvalue that nugget of information, right. you know, and because right. he, he, he seems like a good kid. I mean, he's a likable kid, 
Uh, they liked him at Kentucky. Um, but you do want the, the, the guys who put in the extra work. So, uh, you know, which of Ball, Smith, and Fox is going to do what John Wall and Kyle Lowry did, come in with elite skills and then add players to their game, namely shooting, and become all-stars. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it also depends. Like, there's it also depends on what you're looking for in terms of like, like Monk, Monk. I feel like giving his given his shot, um, like he could, you could argue that he has a low a higher floor than other guys. Right. Like, right. like take like the De'Aaron. Take, Correct. Take, I agree with that. Take Fox that. and Monk. Yeah. Like Monk, you would say probably has the much higher floor. Like, there's a good chance. Like, there's a chance if Fox can't shoot. Right. You know, he's just That's never it. even forget it. Yeah, yeah. he's. You know, you don't even resign with an extension. Um, but like clearly Fox also has the um the capability, you know, to become a top five mm-hmm. lead you to the title type of type of player given his athleticism. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like it, I, that's what I I'm completely interested. agree with you. Completely agree with you. Is he gonna turn out you know, Michael Connell as I mentioned right. I mentioned three guys, there's a fourth guy that that put in the work and became elite. I mean, he came into the league with that athleticism, with a work ethic, guy everyone loved to play with, and he just kept adding some layers on. I, I mean, I, I like, I, I thought, you know, Conley and, Conley and Lowry, that type, you know, are the Sixers could use him. And, and I, I agreed with your, your, your column, David, about, you know, Lowry's contract. I mean, you, you can't, do a contract at the expense of losing people on the tail end. I mean, obviously you can't do a contract at the expense of losing and Peter Simmons. That's a given unless they're going to go. Um, I don't even think you can do a contract at the risk of losing a Sarich. Uh, so, you know, and Kyle's he's earned the right to get paid. So this will, this will be an interesting process. Uh, that said, I honestly feel that a two year you know, if you could get a three-year contract with Kyle Lowry, you get elite years. Like I said, I think that the window isn't as far away as as, as as people people think, and I think that type of player is is a thousand percent what they need on and off the court. Yeah, so it's like yeah. Monk reminds me a little bit of like a Richard Hamilton, uh, and like that would not be a bad thing for you to draft no. a, a Rip Hamilton. No. But but at the same time, Rip Hamilton's not a James Harden. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, yeah, that's right. It's just I like mean, that's like the kind of the it's like the interesting quandary with with assigning value to some of these guys. Yeah, it's 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 funny because well, yeah, and, and, and honestly, if 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 he were Rip Hamilton, right. everyone would sign him. They'd be taking him third. They, no, they, but they, Rip they Hamilton, he's never Rip Hamilton career. They'd take him third. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and questions asked, but I know what you're saying that that there are certain there's the guy which Harden is. Then there's this great ancillary piece. Right. They only need a great ancillary piece. So right. if you decide that. Monk, unlike some of these guys who are, you know, Jimmer for debt, uh, <laughs> you know, Stauskas, you know, who are great college. Hey, Jimmer, Jimmer is tearing it up in China, okay? I watch the outside the lines. Come on. What's that? Say said, Jimmer is tearing it up in China. I watch that outside the lines. Is he? Is that where he is now? Yeah, he's like a god over there. That's awesome. Well, he was a god. He was the god. He's the god of a godless country. Uh... Utah? Are we talking about Utah or are we talking about <laughs> China? <laughs> no offense to our Mormon yeah, listeners. Yeah, he's, he's 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 been a god in 
multiple places in every place. <laughs> just none of them are the NBA. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Just wait till he comes out of the woods with two golden tablets. <laughs> <laughs> who are who are some other guys lower down on the draft that, that you like? That, like so, for instance, I like a guy named uh, uh, OG Ananobi from Indiana. Um, he's coming off a knee knee injury, uh, but. I, there's always one guy who turns out to be Giannis or um, right, right, right. Uh, Kawhi, uh, that's and, way down. But you know, what have you? Are you hearing I, any I names? Like, no, I, I mean, I don't. I don't have the here's here's the sleeper guy. I mean, I, I like Jackson, North Carolina. He's not the elite athlete that that is going to be, you know, that guy. But but I I like him. Um, who else do I feel like is is undervalued a little bit? Let, let me think a little bit. I, I like, I mean, I like Leaf at UCLA. I mean, a, a tall guy who can shoot. That's a, that's that's today's NBA six ten guy who can, who can who can shoot the ball. I would as a as a late first round pick. I would I would love to have him. What what do you make of the kid uh, the, the kid from Gonzaga? The um... whoa, whoa, what is that? my computer that's this like, is awesome is there a special guest walking in the door it's, it's kind of nice look at that let's what? just play this all right autoplay ads. all of a sudden we were in an enya concert um <laughs> the kid from gonzaga that the, the the big man um i'm drawing a blank on his name yeah uh, the freshman i'm blanking too you know I, I i don't know i mean you know i think he's a guy zach collins, I think he's zach a guy. collins we'll, that's it we'll make yeah. a team yeah yeah uh, and then, no, I, I mean, I love the kid. It was he was fun to watch, but I mean, he didn't strike me as as you know this guy will be a starting NBA center. What about uh, uh the so. what about the kid from Arizona? Markinen, 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 yeah. I mean, he he's he's legit. So if you're, I think it whoever ends up with that guy is going to really like him. I think that's where the depth of the, the first round early first round comes in that you end up if he ends up being the ninth guy then you're really happy if Dennis Smith ends up being the ninth guy mm-hmm. then then you're really happy the, the ninth place isn't you know that they're, they're going to get a better player than their, their draft pick maybe would be I'm I'm not convinced that there is this awesome ceiling from I mean this awesome rise up to you know fourth from ninth but uh, yeah no okay okay I can play and uh, there, there again are a couple of Europeans this year. So sports. Um, SI, SI.com's mock draft currently has the Sixers taking Tatum. Um, I feel like Tatum would be a guy that Philadelphia's gut reaction to would not be kind. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Um, and I, I think part well of, because yeah. a lot yeah. of it's a Duke thing. I would assume. I I think there is too much groupthink right now in Philadelphia basketball. Yeah. I think uh you know certain people think oh it's got to be Jackson so then it, then it's Tatum. You know, and football too to a certain extent, you know. Th- these mock drafts get solidified. Mm-hmm. And I mean Tatum fits. I mean he can make shots and so you know if people are upset that they end up with with Tatum who is like you know the number one guy in his class like throughout he and Harry Giles went up for his knee. Uh, who is no longer being talked about as you know a high lottery guy? Uh, Tatum's been elite the whole way, and at some point, so was Okafor. I mean, at some point, you know, you, you hit your ceiling, and not to say that Tatum couldn't do that, but I mean, offensively, Tatum can fit in with what they need. Mm-hmm. 
the only caveat there is if Simmons is a forward, I'm sorry, Simmons is a forward. Uh, if Sarich is a forward, if Covington's a forward, yeah, then then you're 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 adding forwards when you need guards, mm-hmm. uh, and that that will get a little more interesting, which means maybe the the free agent side of things, you know, mm-hmm. but what, becomes a becomes a, a, a guard uh, oriented deal. So Tatum Tatum six eight, I would I would guess he would project as a three man. Has uh, to, and then and he shot thirty four percent. 34% from downtown um, as a freshman at Duke point, uh, you know, averaged between one and two, three pointers a game. I mean, I think that's like the, it, it's hard to find that stretch four. or, I mean, he's not, a, not a stretch four, but it's hard to find a six. It, I feel like it's harder to find a six, eight guy who can shoot uh, than it is to find your guard at times. Um, at least when you look at, could, I don't know. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? Could, could, could be. And, and, and then again, you're, deciding well is the third pick are you just replicating things you already have with season pros doing it right uh and because six eight without elite athleticism right mm-hmm. um that's what you got to figure out on on tatum is he good enough so that he has to be on the court and he you know those numbers were those numbers but he kept getting better as the season went, went along and uh he's got a mid-range game uh and he can get to the basket i mean he's got a pretty He's got some polish to him for, again, people, he's still a one-year college player. Right. If he had been at Florida State instead of Duke, uh, you know, people would sort of judge him differently. By the way, I like the, I like the guy at Florida State, Isaac. I think he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a legit stretch four, can play the modern NBA type of game, Jonathan Isaac. Mm. What, have you, what's, what have you heard about him? I mean, he's a top. Is he a top five guy? I, top ten is where he's I've a seen six him. to ten guy. Yeah, he's a six to ten guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We would have been talking about all these guys if they'd gotten the second pick, right? And you know, would would Monk still be there? Would or is Smith the right guy? A guy who's a, a you know, a, a really a, a dangerous point guard with a ball. You know, we've all that would have been great discussion. But now it's uh, now it's a, it's a less exciting draft, and next year's draft will be a more exciting draft depending Why? on how the Lakers do. Oh yeah. Yeah. You mean in terms of uh where all the, the pieces actual picks fall? they have, yeah. What uh what's next in your hoop series? Uh I've got a couple of uh couple of ones I'm a little bit excited about. Uh the the next one I'll do is uh sort of uh, a current basketball character for lack of a better word, um who local hoop people if you, let me put it this way: Every 18-year-old who plays high school basketball knows who the voice is. So if he's, so if you're inside the game, you already literally will walk by that guy and say, "Hey, voice, hey, voice," and, and he knows who you are. He's a guy who who does announcing, uh, PA announcing, and and there are there are some elements to his story that are that are interesting to me and to others. And uh, that's the next one I'm doing. It's and not about you, Jensen. <laughs> is this a high school? High what school would Sealski do? I, I, I forget to put that put yeah. that into every 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 time. Are we talking about in, uh, in high so, school gyms or, or the playground or or uh, college? Yes, yes, co- co- college, high school, summer league, hoop group. If you show up at tenth and only, he's going to be there. If you show up at the Narberth League, uh, as I did this week, he was there. Uh, I mean, interesting guy, and he, and he does. 
he does his own broadcasts of the game, and and he's he's a podcast competitor. Uh, whether anyone mm. turns on the podcast, I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll check his analytics. Uh, but uh, you know, an interesting, silly um, basketball guy, um, and uh, and and it's a little. May, you know, we've talked about it, not trying to force it. I mean, you, you, right. you know, you're trying to bowl some strikes and, and pick up the spares, but not feeling that, oh, I've got to have something for, for, for this week. This week, we decided to take a pass, work on a, a couple of things. Couple, another one I'm not, not ready to disclose, but I'm kind of excited about it. And then July is busy, and I think August I'm just going to do an, an outdoor month of, you know, what hoops is like at, at outdoors, the present state of outdoor hoops for better and for worse so are you gonna do something yeah. on uh um, like i like i would love to I, and maybe you've already maybe this has already been done um but like where you said 10th and only but like kind of a compendium of where 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 people play yeah playground like a playground um atlas almost do you know what i'm saying it, I, and yeah and in fact i had a friend sort of working on exactly that and both where players are from and where the players play. The only thing is, they, these these kids today they don't play on playgrounds that much. Right. Uh, they're, you know, they're they're rec center guys, they're travel team guys, they got trainers, blah 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 blah. So it's 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 different that way. So I can't just you know sort of romanticize. I mean, right. uh, quite agree. Newman Gretti, what playground he plays? I don't play playgrounds. I mean, we didn't have that conversation, but right. not, I mean, he's he's playing basketball every day, so. That, but there's still leagues and things. So, so I have, you know, trying to have, uh, especially as sort of an online, you know, resource, sort of an interactive graphic or something like that. That's, you know, played around with how to how to do that. But like, where is the best playground game? Like for those who are playing on the playground, where is the best? What is the best game in the city? Yeah, I mean, right. I, I'm not kidding. Right now, I don't think that that exist i mean wow. it was 16th in Susquehanna for years you know fifth and Tabor. you know there's a south Philly version i don't think that that's it and and by the way that's a little bit of a hedge in that uh, you know i i got a report right that i mean yeah. i want to do for instance the week in the in the life a week in the life of a playground i want to find the right playground to to do a sort of a cross section of philly and uh, i'm sort of in the uh, early scouting stages of what that that might be interesting cool well mike thanks so much man love to have you bet you. thanks for having me you got it uh, knock it knock it out of the park sunday will you for, uh, I, for I will, all of us i'll do my best I, I, murphy will be there tailgating the rest of us will be uh tailgating spirit i say thanks. i was telling him we we're gonna hire baz lerman to set it to music after yeah it's been, uh... <laughs> wear sunscreen <laughs> It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to play highlights on next. I'm like really looking forward to this. Uh, at least somebody is. Uh, I, I hope there will be a digital copy of it. I think That's all will. I can say. I think there will. Anyway, thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right, so that's that, right? Another yeah. episode in the books. I uh, I think we're good till next week. Uh, what, what What's going on in, in the next week in Philly sports that we can be talking about next? Uh, let's see. Well, the Eagles signed a running back, so we can each write 27 columns about yes. that in the next week. Uh, let's see. We could do why the Sixers should draft this guy or not draft that guy. Well, that yeah. Uh, and then do the Phillies come another home? round of Kyle Lowry column? Yeah, the Phillies come home soon. <sighs> that's a great question. I can't wait till they're good again. Yeah, that's part of the problem with finding stuff to write about. Is it's just like, and and 
the lack of playoff games. That's what it is from it's all these teams. The la- it's just it's not even lack of playoff games, but it's just like lack of relevant games yeah. in general. Do you know yeah. like it, it's you can go to a Phillies like when they're good, you can go to a Phillies game and, right. and write a meaningful column. Right. You know? Now uh, it's just, now it's like as you know, as we saw in the first month of the season, baseball's not baseball's not the sport to to go into a month and then like start wondering whether Pete McKinnon should shake things up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like Tommy Joseph all of a sudden is one of their hottest hitters. Right. So it's but what do you do in the down you know, when the games don't necessarily I know. you know? I know. It's uh like that I think that's what I miss most right now. Um Weber and I were talking about this mm-hmm. a little bit actually. Like I just miss like being like when the game is the thing and yeah, like you can exactly. actually just write like when you're not writing what you think slash hope exactly. slash expect to happen six months from now or next month or a year from now. It's just like, hey, there was a game last night. There was a game tonight. It was yeah. really awesome. This is what happened. Um, right. This is what I saw. Yep. Like, just on a granular level, the games are meaningless right now for the Phillies. Yeah. You know, it's like, who cares? It yeah, doesn't matter if they beat the Nationals. What matters is, like, the end, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's why it was, it was cool when Embiid was healthy. You know, it was right, like the exactly. games mattered again. You know, TJ McConnell hits a buzzer beater. You can You can process it and analyze it and okay let's describe the scene and let's see what this means and all that kind of stuff or that one flyers game that that (laughs) i covered the playoff game that that was meaningful yes anyway all right until next week wear sunscreen